I'm Julie Martella, and this is my podcast, Navigating Widowhood. I'm a home strategist, coach, and passionate researcher. I've dedicated countless hours each week to diving into the most up-to-date research, writing, and interviewing others, seeking out valuable insights on navigating our unique journey. When I find something amazing, I want you to be the first to know. Are you ready to do this? Let's go. Welcome back, my friends and fellow navigators. I want to tell you that today's episode is based on a question, and you know how I love that. The question that came to me, short question, but what a bomb. How do I date? How do I date as a widowed person? Or how do I get back into the dating game? And many, for many of us, the, date, the dating game may feel like the wild, wild west. <laughs> and that's okay because it's very different than how you may have met your person. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. How long has it been? I want you just to take a second and remember, how did you meet your person? What is the story of your courtship, right? There's no telling. It could have taken place back in the 40s, in the 50s, the 60s, the 2000s. It could have been online. It could have been arranged. It could have been through friends. There's so many ways. What I'm going to tell you today is, is... both observational and personal knowledge, as well as the research on dating. And we're going to look at what can dating look like as a widowed person. So I want to start with telling you that I know many people who have successfully navigating the dating world. They've, they've done it. Um, they've repartnered, right? That's what we call it in the dating, or that's what we call it in our widow's world. We call it repartnering. Some people call it the dead husband and the living husband, or the dead partner and the living partner. Um, there's many ways to refer to it that um, non-widowed people may not get, and that's okay because they're kind of like muggles, like from Harry Potter. <laughs> but you can successfully repartner. And the beautiful thing is when you choose to put yourself out there, you get to repartner in any way that works for you. And I just want you to let that sink in for a minute. You have a new journey ahead of you. You had a beautiful life. You had a lovely partner. You created a life. You maybe created a family and a home and all of the things. And that is done. And now you have a new journey. But that also means you get to choose a new way of doing things. Or you get to decide, I want to do it exactly like I did the first time. And there is, that's the beauty. There is no wrong answer. But but what that does require is that requires you to consider what it is that you want to do. So I want you to, first of all, you, I want you to honor 
the grieving process that you need. And I want you to take the time to heal before considering dating again. Right. And, and we, I, sometimes I say that losing my husband was like losing like half of my, like being an, an amputee. And now I have to learn how to move about the world without my leg or without my arm or without half a body. So when you learn, so when you take the time to complete the grieving process, you are learning to move in the world as the new version of you. And when you take the time to do that, then, then you're ready to be repartnered because now you know who you are and it's going to be a different person than you were when you were married. And you may find that you want something that looks different too. So just take the time, take the time. Everyone's and everyone's timeline is different, my friends. I know people who met, I know of people who met each other three weeks after their partners died. Six months. Some people are five and six years out, nine years out. Everyone's timeline is different. But what matters is where is your heart and where is your mind? Okay, are you ready for this? There's something called anticipatory grief. And anticipatory grief is knowing that your person is going to die and therefore anticipating it and grieving beforehand. So some people that had a partner with, say, cancer, dementia, any chronic long-term illness, you may have done a lot of anticipatory grief and you may find yourself ready to date at a time that doesn't seem uh proper, right? Right? You haven't worn your um, 12 months of black clothes and hoop skirts. So, so just, you know, give yourself a break, check in with yourself and ask yourself, like, am I ready to do this? Or am I in a horribly painful place and I need a band-aid and that band-aid is another person? Because depending on your answer, that's how you're going to show up in the world. And so anyway, that's my first, that's my first thing. Um, so I want you, so I guess that would be your first action item. Okay. So your first action item would be take the time to reflect on where you have been, where you have come from. So right, your history. And I also want you to take your time to reflect on your personal growth and your aspirations since becoming widowed because life changed, right? My friends, life changed. And as you rediscover yourself, you can have a new sense of confidence. You may have a clearer sense of what you're looking for in a new relationship, right? The version, okay, the version of Julie at 20 needed a partner to do life with and to create a family with. The version of Julie at 52, I already have a family and I've already created a life. So maybe now... I'm looking for someone to share the life with. See, there's a shift. So that, but that also means there's a shift in what I'm looking for. I, I'm not looking for someone who wants to start a family, <laughs> right? I'm not 20, but I am looking, right? But I am looking for someone who A, B, and C, which is reflective of who I am now, six years out from dating, 
having done the work, having a new life, right? The old life, uh, not the old relationships, right? I'm still a mom and I still, I still value that. And I'll always be the wife of Jason Martella, right? That piece is always going to be there, but many of the parts of my life were burned off. And so I had to figure out, right? Just like the amputee, they were cut off and you have to figure out how do you do life? And therefore, who do I want to share in this process of how I'm doing life? And that could look very different. So I want you to get in touch with yourself and get in touch with what exactly am I looking for this time around? And then I want you to think about, I want you to take a moment and think about all those fears and all those anxieties that you might have. So you, I would encourage you to write them down because right now, all of those fears and anxieties are clunking around in your head, taking up space. And that space could be used for a lot better things. So take your fears, take, take the worries. I hear this is what I hear a lot, right? Because we're not spring chickens anymore. Many, many of us, not all of us. I hear this a lot. My body is not the same. I'm not the young man or the young woman that I once was. I've had, I've birthed four children and nursed them all. It's not pretty. <laughs> I hear that one all the time. But guess what? That's just a thought. And I want to tell you that those, those fears and anxieties are thoughts that your primitive brain is feeding you. You know what else is a thought? Here's a thought. This is called reframing. You can reframe, uh, I've birthed and nursed four children into, I had the great privilege of giving life and nurturing four human beings. And it shows on my body. There are people who would give anything to have your stretch marks, to have your sagging breasts, to have the hips and the mommy and the mommy dummy, Right? And I know, and I know them. So, so I just want you to begin to pull out the anxieties and to challenge them and to ask yourself, I'm too old. That's one I hear a lot too. And I need to ask yourself, is this true? Right? Are you dead? No. You can, you can challenge that belief. Well, yeah, I still have a pulse. I'm still breathing. So challenge, challenge the anxieties challenge the thoughts, but get them out of your head so you can see what your brain is feeding you. And once you can see what your brain is feeding you, then you can begin talking to it and reframing it and saying, hey, yes, I am older, but I'm going to find a nice person who's appropriate for this stage of my life. There are also, guess what, ladies, there are other ladies or men, there are other people of ladies or men, depending on your preference, that are your same age, that have gone through the same things. There is someone for everyone. There's even, there was a 90-year-old couple on the TV that just got married in the nursing home. If they can do it, you can do it. So, right? Long live love, my friends. Long live love. All right. So, you want to shift your negative mindsets. You want to manage those thoughts. And you want to 
create before you begin dating. This is my other piece of advice. Before you begin dating, I want you to get in touch and ask yourself, what is it that I want this time? Right? First time around, this is what I wanted. This time around, this is what I want. And I want you to, so what you're doing is you're setting the bar and you need to be aware. So setting the bar is like setting expectations. If you set the bar too high, so it's going to be hard for people to jump over that bar. However, you don't want to set that bar so low that every everybody gets to jump over the bar. You want to find the sweet spot for you and you want to decide what is it that I'm looking for and what are the non-negotiables. All right? So so in my in my life, one of the things that I'm always looking for is I ideally I'm going to need somebody who will love my children as much as if they were their own. And that's a non-negotiable for me. Okay? So I have set the bar there. So guess what? If I meet a guy, I'm heterosexual. If I meet a man and he's like, yeah, I really don't care about kids, then guess what? There's no point in us even beginning this relationship because one of my standards, one of the bars, one of the expectations is that I'm going to need a partner who will love my children as much as if they had been their father. And, and frankly, can love them, um, but give them the space because they already had a father. So, so another filter might be is non-threatened by having a father. They, like, they have a father that they love very much. I have a first husband that I love very much. But someday... There's going to be another person there. It's kind of like adding to the mix. So if somebody's really possessive and somebody's really jealous and somebody never wants you speaking their name, right, that might be a bar that you're not willing to cross. So so you need to think about where is the bar and what's non-negotiable and what is negotiable. So things that are negotiable, hobbies. If I'm dating somebody who loves to um, play golf, I don't play golf. Do I, is that a deal breaker? No. I want that person to be happy and go do what makes him happy. But I also get to do what makes me happy. You get to do the things that make you happy. Hopefully, there are things that you get to do together because that's one of the signs of a healthy relationship. But as Khalil Gibral says, let there be space in your togetherness. So, so for me, that's one of the, you know, I want them to be able to do something that makes them happy. Does it have to, we have to do everything together? Absolutely not. So you get to decide. Do you need someone that can go to the Home Depot or Tractor Supply with you? That's my farm. That's the farm girl coming out. <laughs> I guess if you live in a cosmopolitan area, do you need someone to go to Nordstrom's or Bernie's with you? Or do you, are you happy doing those things by yourself? So you need to come up with a list of this is what I want this time. And then you need to decide how you're going to navigate dating. So you have, well, here's the reality, my friends. The reality is everybody wants to meet their person organically. Everybody wants to meet their person at the farmer's market fighting over the last tomato. (laughs) The reality is a lot of people meet each other online. Now, I am not advocating for either one. Either one has their pluses and either one has their minuses. 
I am going to talk very briefly about staying safe online because most people are probably going to try it. Many people will be successful. Some people will hate it. So, you know, it's, it's a spectrum. It's like a big Pandora's box. So learning to navigate the online dating is uh, one of the things it's going to help you try things out. So you need to create, it would behoove you. I look, I used fancy words today. It would behoove you to create an authentic online dating profile. And this is what I was taught a long time. I was given some very wise words of advice a long time ago. Whatever you put out there is what you will attract. So if you put pictures of you climbing mountains, bicycling, running through the mud, right? These are the people that you're going to attract. Likewise, if you put pictures out there with the uh, tatas heavily displayed and every picture is sexy and sultry and, and you don't have your shirt on if you're a guy, and that's what you're going to get. So sometimes people come to me and say, man, I really want to attract these guys. They work with a lot of women. I really want to attract these type of men, type A, but I'm actually ta- attracting all of these other men. So then we look at what are the pictures what are the pictures? What kind of bait are you using to go fishing? Like that's the long and the short of it. So think about what's your bait. Think about what are you putting out there and be authentic, right? If you're a happy person, then you should have happy pictures. <laughs> um, if you are a happy person, you should not have a, bu- a bunch of pictures of you scowling. Oh, and with sunglasses on because we can't see your eyes. So be authentic, Consider what you're putting out there and then have fun. Think of it this way. This is so I have done online dating, I have done organic dating. I am not in relationship with anyone at this point in my life. However, I love meeting new people. And now I have to I have to give you this is my my personal caveat. I don't date per se. I'm not really interested in dating, but I am very interested in making new friends. And and that's how I choose to run my show. And and that's where I'm comfortable because I'm not comfortable dating. I'm not it's too awkward and it's too there's it's too much pressure for me. So when I'm looking at dating someone, you know, you've got all these mental filters click 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 going through your mind. But when I'm looking at just making a new friend and going, wow, um, Chuck over here, he's a great guy and he might have 22 fascinating things I'd like to learn about him. That's it. Then it's just a friend. And then all the pressure is off because I'm not mentally calculating, is he going to be able to provide for me? Is he going to be a good partner? Is he going to like, you get rid of all of that. And I believe that Viry, Fiery Viry Nettlesford Bradford, I have to get them all right. Sorry, Viry. You find Viry on I Am Viry. And she told me that. She told me, make them a friend first. That is the gateway into your life. And that has been some of the best advice and the freeing advice. So when you start chatting with your people online, consider, I just want you to consider I'm going to meet this person for a cup of coffee and I'm going to find out five interesting things. 
And then I want you to consider, I'm going to find out they've got a great life story. I want to hear it. I want to hear the things that made them a strong person. And if you go in with those expectations, those expectations are very different than, I'm going to go meet this lady and maybe she's going to be the new wife. Like (laughs) that feels heavy, my friends. That's some heavy stuff. So manage your expectations. When you start chatting online, be safe. We're going to do a whole nother episode, by the way. The next episode is going to be an entire episode on red flags and green flags. So be looking for them and listen to the next episode and we will go into them. All right. But be honest, be authentic, be clear about your intentions. If you just want a hookup, then just be honest and say, I really am just looking for casual sex right now. If you want to meet your next husband or your next wife, just be honest and say, I want to meet the next person. Same thing goes for organic interactions. If you bump into somebody at the farmer's market and you get to fight over that last tomato, be honest. If they ask you, well, what is it that you're looking for? Well, I don't know. Or I'm taking it one step at a time. Or I'm looking for a long-term relationship. There is no wrong answer. There is only the truth. Because your job is to find someone who matches you. And this was the advice that I gave the reader that, that wrote in. Your job is to find someone that matches you. And if you don't find the match, it is no reflection of your worthiness. And I need you to hear that. That'll be the last thing we talk about in this episode. And then we will go back. We will continue this in the next episode. Someone, if somebody, especially online, if someone doesn't like something you say, they can block you. They can delete the conversation. They can unfriend you, unfollow you. There's so many ways, right, that we can stop communication. And and sometimes that's called, well, ghosting is when they, uh, ghosting is when someone has started interactions with you and abruptly disappears. What I'm telling you is someone cutting off communication with you can hurt you. It can sting, but you need to understand it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your value or your worthiness or your desirability. It is all about the other person, what's going on in their head and what they're looking for. And ideally, you want a match. You want circle to circle. You don't want circle to square or circle to triangle. So if somebody, if you start chatting with someone and they suddenly disappear, don't tell yourself, oh God, what did I do? Instead, I want you to tell yourself, you know, this obviously wasn't a good match and you move on. Okay. All right. So this is going to finish part one of our, how do I date episode? And in part two, which I'm going to record right now before I forget in part two, we are going to talk about uh, meeting someone and looking at red flags and green flags because those are important. All right, my friends, You can do this and I will be right back. Thank you so much for being a part of Navigating Widowhood today. Your support and presence truly means the world to me. 
Before we wrap up, I have some exciting news to share. I will soon be releasing my first book. If you want to be the first to know about its release, head on over to my website and sign up for updates. And remember, if you could please take a moment to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, those reviews help the podcast get recognized so that more people can find it. Until next time, my friends, remember, you are never alone on this journey. Keep on navigating with strength and resilience. Goodbye for now.